Close the Book by Susan Glassbell. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Close the Book. Cast. John C. Read by Kimberly Welt. Peyton Root, an instructor in the university. Read by Chuck Williamson. Mrs. Root, Peyton's mother. Read by Michelle Eaton. Mrs. Peyton, his grandmother. Played by Garrett Goodison. Uncle George Peyton, President of the Board of Regents. Read by Todd. Bessie Root. Read by Sonia. State Senator Byrd. Read by Nima. Mrs. State Senator Byrd. Read by Eva Davis. Narration by Zames Curran. Place, a university town. Time, today. Scene, the library in the root home. The library of Midwestern people who are an important family in their community and who think of themselves as people of culture. It is a room which shows pride of family. On the rear wall are two large family portraits, one of a revolutionary soldier, the other a man of a later period. On the low bookcases, to both sides of the door rear, and on the mantel right are miniatures and other old pictures. There is old furniture, mahogany, recently done over, an easy chair near the fireplace, a divan left. A winged victory presides over one of the bookcases. A born Jones is hung. It is a warmly lighted, cheerful room. Books and flowers about. In addition to the rear door, opening on the hall, there is a door left and right a corner window. The curtain discloses John C. and Peyton on the divan. Mrs. Root about to leave through the door rear. John C. is piquant, dressed as a nonconformist, but attractively. Her dress should further the idea of her being a gypsy, but the whole should be charming and not bizarre. Peyton is a rather helpless young man, with a sense of humor that is itself rather helpless, dry, a little awkward, yet whimsical. Mrs. Root. I'll see, Peyton, if your grandmother isn't ready to come down. Exit. Jauncey, springing up. It's absurd that I should be here. Peyton. I know, Jauncey, but just this once, as long as it means so much to Mother and doesn't really hurt us. But it does hurt me, Peyton. These walls stifle me. You come of people who have been walled in all their lives. It doesn't cage you. But me, I'm a gypsy. Sometimes I feel them right behind me. All those wanderers, people who were never caught, feel them behind me, pushing me away from all this. But not pushing you away from me, dear. You love me, Johnsy, in spite of my family. If I didn't love you, do you think I could endure to come to this dreadful place? Look about the well-furnished room. And meet these dreadful people? Forgive me for alluding to your home and family, Peyton, but I must not lose my honesty, you know? No, dear, I don't think you are losing it. And perhaps I'd better not lose mine, either. There's one thing I haven't mentioned yet. Hesitates. Mr. Peyton is coming to dinner tonight. Mr. Peyton? What, Peyton? Yes, 
that one. And you ask me, standing for things I do in this university, to sit down to dinner with the president of the Board of Regents? Mother asked him before I knew it. John C., with scorn. Your uncle. He's not my uncle. He's mother's. And you see, it's partly on account of grandmother just getting back from California. He's grandmother's brother-in-law, you know. I suppose she doesn't realize what it means to have to sit down to dinner with him. She's done it so much. And then mother thought it would be nice for you to meet him. Nice. He's pleasant at dinner. Pleasant? Mother's a little worried about my position in the university. It would be wonderful for you to lose your position in the university. Yes, wonderful. And then you and I could walk forth free. Free, but broke. Peyton, you disappoint me. Just the fact that that man is coming to dinner changes you. Oh, no, but you are fortunately situated, John C., having no people. It's easier to be free when there's nobody who minds. I'm going. Oh, come now, dearest. You can't go when you're expected for dinner. Nobody's that free. Dinner? A dinner to celebrate our engagement. It's humiliating, Peyton. I should take you by the hand, and you and I should walk together down the open road. We will, Johnsy. We will. In time. We should go now. Think so? Mother's going to have turkey. Better a dinner of berries and nuts. We'll have berries, cranberries, and nuts, too. Where are my wraps? Peyton, seizing her and kissing her. Someday, serene and unhampered, we'll take to the open road. A road with berries and nuts. Grandmother Peyton and Mrs. Root have appeared at the door left. Mrs. Root... Mother, this is Peyton's friend, Miss Mason, one of our important students. Grandmother, in her brittle way. Yes, I never was a very important student myself. I didn't like to study, because my family were professors, I suppose. Peyton's grandmother is a descendant of Gustav Phelps, one of the famous teachers of pioneer days. Johnsy, her head going up. I am a descendant of people who never taught anybody anything. Chauncey and I were just going to finish an article on free speech, which must get to the torch this evening. Grandmother, moving towards easy chair near the fire. Free speech. How amusing. You may be less amused someday, Grandmother. Chauncey and Peyton go out left. That may be a free speech. I wouldn't call it a pleasant one. Mrs. Root, sinking to the divan. Oh, he was speaking of the open road again. Berries and nuts. Grandmother, beginning to knit. Berries and nuts? Well, it sounds quite innocuous to me. Some of my young people are less simple in their tastes. Mrs. Root, in great distress. Mother, how would you like to see your grandson become a gypsy? Peyton a gypsy? You mean... In a carnival? No, not in a carnival. In life. But he isn't dark enough. And is that the only thing against it? I had thought you would be a help to me, Mother. Well, my dear Clara, 
I have no doubt I will help to you in time. This idea of Peyton becoming a gypsy is too startling for me to be a help instantly. In the first place, could he be? You can't be anything you take it into your head to be, even if it is undesirable. And then, why should he be? Doesn't he still teach English right here in the university? I don't know how much longer he will teach it. He said the other day that American literature was a toddy with the stick left out, saying that of the very thing he's paid to teach. It got in the papers and was denounced in an editorial on Untrue Americans. Peyton, a descendant of John Peyton of Valley Forge. Motions to the Revolutionary Portrait. Denounced in an article on Untrue Americans. And in one of those awful columns, those silly columns, they said maybe the stick hadn't been left out of his toddy. But it isn't that. Peyton doesn't drink to speak of. A look to the door left. It's this girl. She's the stick. And I tell you, people don't like it, Mother. It's not what we pay our professors for. Peyton used to be perfectly satisfied with civilization, But now he talks about society. Makes light remarks. I should say that was going out of his way to be disagreeable. What business has a professor of English to say anything about society? It's not his department. I told Peyton he should be more systematic. How did this gypsy get here? She was brought up by a family named Mason, but it seems she was a gypsy child who got lost or something, and those Masons took her in. I'm sure it was very good of them, and it's too bad they weren't able to make her more of a Christian. She is coming to have a following in the university. There are people who seem to think that because you're outside society, you have some superior information about it. Well, don't you think you're needlessly disturbed? In my day, a young man would be likely enough to fall in love with a good-looking gypsy. Not very likely to marry her. Times have changed, Mother. They marry them now. Both sigh. Oh, of course it's very commendable of them. Grandmother grimly. Oh, quite commendable. I was brought up in university circles. I'm interested in ideas. But sometimes I think there are too many ideas. An embarrassment of riches. So you have set out to civilize the young woman? I'd rather have her sit at my table than have my son leave some morning in a covered wagon. I wonder how it is about gypsies, about the children. I wonder if it's as it is with the Negroes. Mother! It would be startling, wouldn't it? If one of them should turn out to be a real gypsy and take to this open road. Mrs. Root, covering her face. Oh! Quite likely they do it by motor. Mrs. Root, rising. Mother! Can you say such dreadful things? And just when I have this trying dinner. Oh, I wish Bessie would come. Goes to the window. She is a comfort to me. Where is Bessie? She's away in the motor. Again covers her face. 
Bessie feels dreadfully about her brother. She is trying to do something. She said it would be a surprise, a happy surprise. Someone heard in the hall. Perhaps this is Bessie. Enter Mr. Payton. Oh, it's Uncle George. Uncle George. Early, I know. Come to have a little visit with Elizabeth. Goes to grandmother and shakes hands. How are you, young woman? My nerves seem to be stronger than the nerves I see around me. And how are you, George? Oh, I'm well. But? Responsibilities. The bank? I'd rather run ten banks than a tenth of a university. You can control money. I'm sorry, Uncle George, that Peyton should be adding to your worries. What's the matter with Peyton? Wild oats. Well, I wish you'd sow them in less intellectual fields. I am prepared to speak freely with you, Uncle George. The matter with Peyton is this girl. Well, they're going to be married. Yes. Entering his gesture of protest. And I think it's a good thing. She won't be in a position to say so much about freedom after she's married. But they say she's a gypsy. She won't be a gypsy after she's Peyton's wife. She'll be a married woman. Yes, but in the meantime, we will have swallowed a gypsy. And now I was just wondering how it would be about the children. Mother, please don't be indelicate again. Pause. Well, if there's nothing else we may speak up, let's talk about free speech. They're writing a paper on it in there. I don't know what this university is coming to. An institution of learning? It isn't that I don't believe in free speech. Every true American believes in free speech, but... Slight pause. Grandmother, with emphasis. Certainly. Ask them to come out here with their paper on free speech. I'll be glad to give them the benefit of my experience. Yes, it will be delightful to all be together. Exit door left. This girl doesn't look to me like one who is thirsting for the benefit of another person's experience. She's a bad influence. She's leading our young people to criticize the society their fathers have builded up. There's a great deal of ingratitude in the world. Enter Mrs. Root, followed by Peyton and Johnsy. I told Uncle George you were eager to bring him and Jancy together. Jancy, this is Mr. Peyton, who looks after the affairs of the university for you students. Of course, you've heard about Miss Mason, Uncle George, one of our cleverest students. Yes, we were speaking of Miss Mason's cleverness just the other day in a board meeting. And just the other day at the student assembly, we were speaking of how you look after the affairs of the university for us. I hope you both spoke affectionately. Well, Peyton, very busy, I take it. You're adding to your duties, aren't you? Not that I know of. Your grandmother said something about a highfalutin paper on free speech. I suppose that's an inherited tendency. You know, one of my ancestors signed a paper on free speech. It had a highfalutin name. The Declaration of Independence. I wish Bessie would come. Do you think much about your ancestors, Peyton? Not a great deal. Peyton has some rather interesting ancestors, Miss Mason. There's Captain John Peyton. That's his picture. He helped win one of the battles which made this country possible, the country in which you are living. And a descendant of John Peyton, Richard Peyton. Indicates other picture. 
gave the money which founded this university, the university in which you are now acquiring your education. Chauncey, lightly. Perhaps it would be quite as well if this university and this country never had existed. I don't see why Bessie doesn't come. Of course, I look at it as an outsider. I am not a part of your society. Peyton is. There's Bessie. Bessie rushes in. Bessie. Grandmother. Swiftly kisses her. How wonderful to have you with us again. Dear Uncle George. Glad you got here, Bessie. Your mother has been looking for you. Bessie, with a look around. Isn't it beautiful to all be together? A real family party. And now, we have a moment or two before dinner, mother. The man who brought the turkey in from the country had a runaway, so it was a little late in arriving. How fortunate. Oh, it does seem that all things work together for the best. Mother, I have had a completely successful day. Where have you been, Bessie? I've been 50 miles to the north, in Baxter County. Does that mean anything to you, Jancy? Nothing whatever. Bessie, still breathlessly. Dear Uncle, I hope you will understand what I am about to do. It might seem unrestrained, not in the best of taste, but it's just because you stand for so much in Peyton's life that I want you to hear our good news as soon as we hear it ourselves. You knew that these two children were in love and going to be married. A bow from Uncle George. You know, Chancy dear, I may speak very freely, may I not? I believe in free speech. Yes, how dear of you. Chancy has endured in proud silence a great grief. And now, dear child, because of the touching dignity with which you have stood outside and alone, it is a moment of special joyfulness to me when I can say, Welcome within. What are you talking about, Bessie? You must not stand outside society. You belong within the gates. You are one of us. I'm not. Dear child, you are as respectable as we are. Johnsy, rising. I am not. Of course, you can't grasp it in an instant. But I have looked it all up, dear. I have the proofs. Well, it wasn't your affair, Bessie. I made it my affair because I love my brother. Jancy, dear. As one who tells tremendous good news. Your father was Henry Harrison, a milkman in the town of Sunny Center, an honorable and respected man. Your parents were married in the Baptist Church. I deny it. I deny this charge. Bessie, stepping to the rear door. Dear Senator and Mrs. Bird, will you come now? Enter State Senator Bird and Mrs. State Senator Bird. Mrs. Bird carrying a large book. Jancy, dear, you are about to enter upon the happiest moment of your life. For State Senator Bird, one of our lawmaking body, is a cousin of your dear dead mother. Senator Bird. Aggie's little girl. Approaches Jancy with outstretched hands. She stands like a rock. And here, Jancy, is your cousin, Mrs. Bird, who has come all this way to assure you you have a family. Mrs. Bird. Indeed you have. There's Ella Andrews, one of our teachers. A lovely girl. She's your first cousin. We are second cousins. You may have some little family pride in knowing that I was last spring elected president of the Federated Clubs of Baxter County. Just last week, I entertained the officers of all the clubs at our home, our new home, erected last year after your cousin Ephraim completed his first term in the upper house of the state legislature, 
Your cousin Ephraim has been re-elected. He is on the Ways and Means Committee. Uncle George, approaching Senator Byrd. I have heard of Senator Ephraim Byrd of the Ways and Means Committee. That was good work, you fellows. They talk aside. And to think, Jancy, that your cousin Mrs. Byrd is a prominent clubwoman. Grandmother, after a look at Jancy. Her cup runneth over. Isn't Bessie wonderful, Mother? How did you find it all out, Bessie? From clue to clue I worked my way to Sunny Centre. I would say to myself, do this for Peyton, do this for Jancy. And so I heard of an old minister who had been there for years and years. I went to him and he had married Jancy's father and mother. Dearest child, your mother taught in his Sunday school. Oh, yes. Aggie loved the Baptist Sunday school. It's very strange that my mother, I am referring to Mrs. Mason, never told me of this. But she never told you you were a gypsy either, did she? No, she just wanted you to think you were their own child. And then I suppose you heard some foolish tale at school. You see, Jancy's mother and father, her real ones, died of typhoid fever before she was two years old. They got it from the cows. Well, the Harrisons were friends of the Masons. They all worked together in the church, and so they took Jancy. And soon after that, they moved away, and we lost track of them. You know what a busy world it is, particularly for people who have duties in their community. I haven't accepted this story. You can't prove it. Mrs. Bird impressively hands her husband the book. Iowa Descendants of New England Families. Oh, yes, that is one of the books in which our family is written up. To Peyton. My dearest boy, from my heart, I congratulate you. Pages 57 to 61, inclusive, are devoted, Jancy, to our family. My own family appears on page 113. Senator Bird holds the book out to Jancy, who once more stands like a rock. Uncle George steps forward. Oh, you are a descendant of Peter Bird. One of those daredevils whose leg was shot under him at Bull Run. You heard that, Jancy? A descendant of Peter Bird, whose leg was shot under him. So this is what I was brought here for, is it? To have my character torn down, to ruin my reputation, and threaten my integrity by seeking to muzzle me with a leg at Bull Run and set me down in the Baptist Sunday School in a milk wagon? I see the purpose of it all. I understand the hostile motive behind all this, but I tell you it's a lie. Something here. Hand on heart. Tells me I am not respectable. Reaction. I am John C. John C., a child of the gypsies. I am a wanderer. I am an outlaw. Yes, you are, Jancy. And did you ever stop to think how you came by that outlandish name? It has always assured me of my birthright. Well, you'd better look in your geography. You were named after a town in India, where your mother's missionary circle was helping to support a missionary. Aggie was crazy about the missionaries. Jauncey, falling back, breaking. Oh, Peyton, I release you from our engagement. No, no. Don't say that. Stoutly. I love you for yourself alone, in spite of anything that may be true. 
But I must say, Bessie... John C., beginning to sob. Oh, I can't bear it. I can't bear it. And to think that Peyton's mother was an illegitimate child. Mrs. Root, dazed. What's that? Grandmother, rising. Yes? What is that? Am I to understand? Am I to be told, at my age, that I gave birth to an illegitimate child? This is a surprise to me, and not a pleasant one. Peyton, to John C. It would have been better not to mention that. This is reaction. I think perhaps we need a physician. I don't need a physician. Peyton certainly told me that his mother was an illegitimate child. Of course, Peyton, if you were just boasting about your family, say so. What have you to say, Peyton? Before he says anything, Bessie, you bring me that portfolio from the lower right-hand corner of my desk. Key in the upper left-hand pigeonhole. Peyton? Why, I didn't mean any harm, Mother. I certainly didn't mention anything against you or Grandmother. Quite the contrary. I was just anxious that Jancy should have a little respect for our family. It didn't seem to have a leg to stand on. So you made it up? Out of whole cloth? No, not out of whole cloth. Out of what cloth, then? Kindly tell me, out of what cloth? Peyton is not himself. Well, it just came into my head that it was possible. You see, Grandmother, you're having moved. I do wish you could see that I meant nothing against your character. Absolutely the contrary. But you're having moved. My having moved where? You're having moved from New York State to Ohio at just that time. I always did like to travel. Is that anything against a person's character? I was claiming that you had character. I'll stick to my own, thank you. I've had it quite a while, and I'm used to it. But I'd like to know right now what there is so immoral in moving from one state to another, even if you are going to have a baby. John C., raising her head. There is nothing immoral in anything. Fiddlesticks! Bessie returns with portfolio. You found it, Bessie? The key? Here, Peyton, come here. Opens portfolio, takes out rolled paper. Happily preserved for the defense of my character in my old age is my wedding certificate. This is painful. She turns and looks at the prince on the rear wall. Motions Senator Bird to join her. I want you to look at that date right there beside that pink cupid cherub. Perhaps it is, anyway. Read aloud the figures which you see. Peyton, sullenly. Uh, 1869. And here, in this other document, very fortunately on hand to meet the attacks of my only grandson upon my integrity, what do you read there? Clara, aged six weeks. And the date? Mrs. Root, Bessie, Uncle George, all listen a little... Anxiously. <sighs> December 1871. A sigh of relief. I trust now, Peyton, you will admit that a woman may move from one state to another without being dissolute. At this word, Mrs. Root is unable to bear more and hides her face in her handkerchief. Uncle George, 
as one saving the situation. Genealogy is interesting. One is democratic, of course. But when there is behind one what there is behind us, Senator, it enhances one's powers, responsibility, obligation. He has taken up the book and been running through the pages. Descendants of John Payton. Here, Payton, are some things about your ancestors. Read them. Perhaps then, instead of tearing down, you will have an impulse to build up. I commend this book to you young people for study. It will do you no harm to think a little of those worthy men from whom you have come. Mark's place with a card. John C. springing up. I shall waste no time thinking of the worthy men from whom I come. If I am related to a lawmaker, I owe it to my soul to become a lawbreaker. You see, Bessie, what you have done? When I thought there was in me no taint of civilization, I could put up with your silly conventions. But if in a material sense I am part of your society, then I have a spiritual obligation to fulfill in leaving it. Peyton, respectability threatens to wall us in and stifle us. Are you ready to walk from this house with me tonight, entering upon a free union that says that? Snaps her fingers. For law? Why, certainly. Well, if it comes to a matter of not caring to claim relationship, we certainly hesitated some time. Those Harrisons were not all they should be. John C., a note of hope in her voice. No? I said to Senator Byrd, now that the girl is marrying into one of the best families in the state, not that that influenced us especially, but I said, if she is trying to make something of herself, we must stand by her. And we will mention only pleasant things. We will not allude to what her grandfather did. What did he do? He burned down his neighbor's house. Cause that neighbor chased home his pigs. Really? Yes, my grandfather would do that. Were any of the family found in the charred remains? The family, I believe, escaped. But no thanks to old man Harrison. No! I'm sure Grandfather meant them to burn. Seizing book. I wonder if Grandfather's protest is recorded in this book. That book does not emphasize unfortunate occurrences. And how right it is. One should think only of the good in human nature. Peyton, looking with Jauncey. What is this fine print at the bottom of the page? Mrs. Bird, hastily. That is not important. It is in fine print, because it is not important. One of the descendants of Peter Bird. To Jauncey. The legged bull run, you know. He... Peyton, remember that you are in your own house. Unfaithful to the high office of treasurer of the Baxter County Cemetery Association. Jauncey, gasping, then beaming. <gasps> Why... Why, a grave robber! Was he a near relative? I must say, Miss Root, that we did not come here to have our family inquired into as far back as ancient history. Oh, Mrs. Bird, I quite agree with you that it is not necessary to go too far back in any family. Neither necessary nor desirable. Those early days must have been very trying. Chauncey, the fine print of your family is thrilling. Here is a man. Peyton, stop reading from that tiresome and obsolete book. It is not hospitable. 
Turn to your own family history and read a little fine print in it. The other members of the Peyton Root family give each other startled, nervous glances. Why, what a lovely idea. Uncle has marked it for us. After looking. Fine print in our family? Mrs. Bird, grimly. It's there. Genealogy is so confusing. I never could understand it. And I don't see why one should try to understand it. Live well in the present, that is sufficient. It looks to me as if that book has not been thoughtfully edited. I'm surprised at his soul. Peyton, snatching the book from Johnsy. Johnsy, don't want to boast. I hope I shall not become a snob. You too had a family, and they had their impulsive moments. But what was the most largely low-down thing a man of the early days could do? Right of stage, Peyton's and Roots draw together anxiously. Left. The birds wait complacently. As Uncle has pointed out, John C., I am a descendant of Captain John Peyton. But when you have a remote ancestor, you also have his less remote descendants, a fact sometimes overlooked. Well, Stuart Peyton... Mother, I wonder if the turkey isn't ready now. It's time for it to be ready. Exit. Stuart Peyton, convicted of selling whiskey and firearms to the Indians. Assumes an overbearing attitude. I guess the early days were trying in more than one family. Peyton, peering into the book. And what is this? What is this? Stuart Peyton was the father of Richard Peyton. Who founded this university? Peyton, in the voice of Uncle George. The university in which you are now acquiring your education. Oh, I have no doubt that inducing the Indians to massacre the whites was profitable. A good sound basis for the family fortune. Young man, you go too far. Peyton, holding book out to Uncle George. In thinking of these worthy men from whom I come? Turns to wall on which hangs portraits of John and Richard Peyton. We don't seem to have Stuart's picture. <laughs> Johnsy, I don't know that we need to leave society. There seems little uh, crevices in the walls of respectability. And whenever we feel a bit stifled, we can always find air through our family trees. I think, Senator, that we will not remain longer. Enter Mrs. Root. Mrs. Root. Mary was just coming. Now we'll have dinner. Yes. A little family party to celebrate the happy... Peyton, again bent over his family history. Grandmother, here's something about your ancestor, Gustav Phelps. Grandmother, rising with weight. Peyton, close that book. Curtain. End of Close the Book.